2: I'm going
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 726 of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can always find my writing at Packer Reports. We are mere days away from actually celebrating our two year anniversary here at the podcast and actually kicking off season three next Monday, which I'm incredibly excited about. Cannot believe that we have been doing this for two years straight without ever missing an episode. Uh, Knock on wood. So kudos to the entire team for that. Uh, But we have a great episode to jump into today, and I want to get started right away. My guest is a very special guest. I'm so excited to be joined by her today. Uh, she is one of the podcasters right here on Pack-A-Day Podcast, one of our newest podcasters. You can always, uh, also find her on Packs What She Said with Maggie Loney. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. My guest is the one and only Perry Goldstein. Perry, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to have you on.
3: I'm so excited to be here with you, Andy. This is great. Um, thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to talking about some Packers.
1: Yeah, we've got a lot to discuss. We're going to go over some... Top Packer matchups this season. We're going to play a game. See, I wanted to play a game because, like, Dan and those and Matt and Janelle, they've always got something crazy cooked up. You know, Steve and uh, Dusty and Sarah have always got something going on. Like, all these teams play these fun games, and I've never got to be in any fun of the game. So, we're going to play a game of three questions a little bit that I'm excited about. But let's start off with something not so much fun. Um, and that was obviously the Washington Redskins or formerly Washington Redskins uh, scandal. Uh, I, I just want to, y- you and and Maggie did an absolutely tremendous job covering this on PAX, which he said, if if anyone has not had a chance to go and listen to that yet, I highly, highly, highly recommend going and listening to that episode. But I just wanted to kick things off today, Perry, by giving you the opportunity to kind of express what you were kind of feeling as this information kind of came out uh, earlier last week, what the the emotions that you kind of went through, and maybe kind of your biggest takeaways from it.
3: Yeah, um, it's To me, it's sad, and the reason that it's sad is because of how not surprising it is. Um, And I feel like the Washington NFL team, while I'm so glad that this has come to light, um, it's just the tip of the iceberg. And I think, I hope that a lot of, not just NFL teams, but all sports leagues and all organizations, this is not a sports industry-specific issue um just kind of take a long hard look at themselves and and what is going on internally that maybe they're turning a blind eye to because there's just absolutely no way that this is only happening at the Washington NFL team in their doors so it's just it's sad and I feel for all those women because while that's never happened to me personally like I am all of them you know like we all feel bad because it easily could be any of us in any in any industry that we go into so um it was just sad
1: yeah i couldn't agree more i was i was furiously angry that day and i think as you said unfortunately maybe the most disappointing aspect of it is that there was absolutely nothing in that article that unfortunately was surprising it was like as you're reading through it you go through levels of disgust and Mm -hmm. disappointment and anger and a variety of other emotions um but uh, none of it, unfortunately, was super surprising, and I think that's what made it even more infuriating. Is because it, it did seem so normal, which is even that much more disgusting. So uh, that that was my biggest takeaway. I had the opportunity to to reach out to a few different people that I'm that I'm close with, and um, you know, just kind of get their thoughts, try to support them in any way that I could. Uh, but, you know, I I heard them, you know, able to readily be able to share different stories um, that they had in in their specific industries, and it's just, it's disappointing. I I feel bad uh, for all the women uh, that have to go through that. It shouldn't have to be that way, and it's, it's just so unfortunate that it is.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think one of my biggest takeaways, and, you know, the Washington team has been in the news so much recently, especially with their name changing, and, To me, it's like, well, if you're not going to get rid of a racist name and a racial slur, that's the name of your team. Like, what makes anybody think that there isn't other forms of sexism, bigotry, racism, like rampant in that organization? Like, it all goes hand in hand. You're never going to find someone who's racist but is going to uphold, you know, the equality of women. So I just think that I hope that. There's some level of action more than what we've seen. I think Dan Snyder's response was very lame to me and not genuine. And um, I don't think anything's going to change unless it's from the top. So I don't know if the NFL is going to get involved and do any sort of external investigation. But I just think that team needs to take a really, really hard look at themselves.
1: Yeah, and not the person that you want in charge if a team needs to take really hard look at itself in <laughs> nope. uh, <and> Dick <laughs> Snyder. And I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mean, there was no even apology in his statement. And, I mean, it was just blatantly obvious and transparent that this was a, basically a statement just for the sake of making a statement. And, you know, I, I think... With Ron Rivera going in there, I'm hoping that he's able to institute some change. It seems like he's been on the right side of things so far, which I'm, I'm hoping is a positive moving forward for that overall franchise. But uh, like you said, this is not something that is specific to that football team. This is not something that is specific to that industry. Uh, this is something that is is going on, unfortunately, uh, throughout the United States and I'm sure across the world as well. And I think you know we need to be better as a society, and you know I'm I'm curious your thoughts, Perry. Is you know do you have anything that you know we you know any ideas of of takeaways that we can have or things that we can do better? I'm just even you know talking maybe you know males in general to support females better. Any anything that any advice that you would have?
3: Yeah, I mean there's two things I think at a smaller scale as just like a friend or a colleague, like promote your female coworkers and friends, like. Support them verbally and in the work that they do, especially if we're, you know, going to stick to sports world, like, share the work that they're doing in a way that has nothing to do with their gender, but just that, like, look, this person is incredibly talented. You should read or listen to what they say. Um, but I think on a larger scale, like, there just needs to be more women in leadership positions. I see it all the time is that there's usually, if there's a woman at a C-suite level it's one, maybe two, yeah. and usually they're, you know, the head of HR. And it's just, like, that's not going to cut it. Like, there's not going to be any change. And it's the same. It goes for all diversity, um, people of color as well, LGBTQ. Like, there just needs to be more representation at the top, and there isn't.
1: Yeah, I think that's that would be a really great first step. And, you know, I'll just say, too, Um, And just kind of take a moment to say this: I am so incredibly uh, blessed to have you know you and Maggie and Sarah and Janelle um, on this team, and I just I'm I'm so happy that uh, you guys are on the team. That you guys are amazing people. That you are. That you are you know kind of carrying the banner for this. Again, I I can't recommend enough the uh, the podcast that you and Maggie put together. I thought it was spot on and fantastic. Um, But the reason that the four of you are on this podcast is not because you are female, or I'm trying to reach a different demographic. Or it's because you guys are freaking awesome, and I like I couldn't get you guys on the team soon enough. I was lucky to have Janelle from the onset um, as one of the very first people on the team. Um, she just actually posted a really awesome, you know, message of her celebrating uh, her second year on the team, which was really really cool to read through. But like as soon as uh, Sarah got done with her initial podcast with me, I don't even think it was till the end of that podcast that I said, you need to be on this team permanently. Um, and that's been you know one of the best additions that we've had. As soon as I got done podcasting with Maggie, same exact situation. I couldn't get her on soon enough. And I was so lucky to be able to add you to the team. And um, you guys are incredibly knowledgeable. I could not um, ask for anything more. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm going on here, but I, I'm so appreciative of the four of you that you guys are on this team.
3: Well, we appreciate you, Andy. You are always so kind and supportive and you gave us the opportunity and I think that's another thing that's just a first step. Just give people an opportunity and see what they can do and I think most of the time you'd, you'd be pleasantly surprised and I mean I know that I was very not just excited but like flattered to to be asked to join the Pack-A-Day team because I've been listening for so long and just the group of people are so intelligent and knowledgeable and nice and personable even through a through a headset. So Um, I feel very lucky to have joined the team with you guys.
1: Well, we're very lucky to have you guys, and, uh, again, can't appreciate you guys enough. Let's move on to another not super fun topic, and I promise we're going to get to some really fun topics eventually, I, I swear. Uh, but I think the, the current state of the NFL and the NFL player associations, you know, kind of current negotiations and, and maybe kind of stalemate where things are at, uh, you know, today a lot of the players came out and said that, you know, they want to play football, but they're really demanding, you know, more action from the league, um, trying to make it a safer experience. Um, Austin Corbett, the, the guard for the Rams, basically came out and said, listen, I've got a uh, child that's due in a month and a half. I have bad right. asthma. Like, I want to make sure that this is something that I can go through with and play and, and feel safe for myself and my family. I think we're going to start hearing a lot more uh, about you know similar type of stories and similar type of situations. To me personally, I feel like the NFL has, uh, and, and I will, I guess, give them some benefit of the doubt to say that they do have a little bit of time left, and maybe they can still get this figured out. But I, I feel like they have dropped the ball. Up until this point, they had the the absolute best scenario. They finished their season. They've got to see how every other league and every other sports endeavor has gone about this situation. They had kind of a, a you know back you know backseat view to what everyone else was doing. And to me, they kind of sat on their hands, waited till the clock expired, and did a lot of nothing. And I'm really disappointed in the state of affairs. Where like for the first time, I'm wondering like are they actually going to be able to pull this off and have some semblance of a season.
3: Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I think the amount of time that they had and how ill prepared they are is just unacceptable. You've had months. Um, and there are so many just like straightforward things left for them to figure out that should be very easy. Like I was reading today, I don't remember. I think it was probably JJ Watt posted like what's still left on the table, and like they don't even know if they're getting tested every day, every other day, every three days. Like how easy is that to make just make a decision? Um, and I think the the key thing that I've been focused on in the players' response is like you have science, scientific experts recommending, like, strategies to make this safe, and the NFL is just not apparently listening to them. And that, to me, is just dumb. Listen to the experts. Your players want to play. If you implement these, you know, procedures, then we should be okay. Um, And so I I do hope they figure it out. They have some time, but it's just, like I said earlier, just so unacceptable that it took this long. But I do think – The baseball seemed to be a worse situation in my eyes. Um, Maybe I'm a little biased because I just want football. But I I felt like MLB really, really shit the bed, for, for lack of a better term. But there's baseball now. So I feel optimistic that the NFL and NFLPA will figure something out. I think the players have spoken out, and their collective voice can be very, very strong. So I'm still hopeful.
1: Yeah, I'm hopeful as well, and I think you're right. I think baseball did seem a lot more dire than what the the current situation is with the NFL, and I think – you know, ultimately it seems like there's just too much money out there to not make this work in some capacity. Um, And I think there's, you know, obviously people are are yearning for football, they want football, and it it just seems like something that will eventually get done. But, you know, it just, it makes me question of, you know, was it A, that they were just, you know, hoping that something was just going to happen and they didn't have to deal with it? Was it B, just like they weren't you know, focused enough on the right problem at hand, or is it see something more sinister where they're just like, you know what? We don't even need to do anything because the players are going to play no matter what, because they're not going to give up their side of the money, no matter how unsafe it is. And fans will continue to gobble up the product no matter what. Like, do they just like not even have to care because they know things will probably go according to plan for them anyway. And they don't have to put in the work the time, the effort, the energy to make things safe for their players. And I don't know, I'm hoping that's not the case, but like a part of me just has to wonder at this point, is like do they do they just not even have to worry about those things because they just think that things will kind of take care of itself on their own?
3: I mean, I really hope it's not C because that's yeah. just rec- that's reckless and I mean it's not yes these guys are in tip top shape um, of course but. We've seen that that this virus doesn't care. And that's not to say that there also aren't players that are immunocompromised. I'm just thinking about the player you mentioned or James Conner, who's a cancer survivor. Like, who wants – I mean, they already put themselves on the line every single time they step on the field when it comes to, you know, physical harm, tearing their ACL, a concussion. You know, we've seen players go down with nasty hits and they do that, but there's no reason for them to add – this to it especially in a sport that's as contact as football is it's it's not baseball they're not having one person standing in an outfield able to socially distance while still playing the game like this is a very physical contact sport and so i feel like the nfl should have been stricter and and more prepared than they are um because of of the nature of the way the game is played
1: yeah, they absolutely should have been. I mean, it, one of the things that they haven't even been able to kind of pin down is just, you know, exactly how it will work if, if somebody gets, you know, tested positive for COVID. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to sit out for some period of time. But like, you know, the NFL wants it to be something where it's on a non-football injury list, which would mean that the player would not get paid during that time frame, which would, you know, be a massive hit for the player. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Players Association wants it to be a like a, an NFL type injury where they would go on some sort of list but continue to get paid during those times I mean these are all things that are going to have to work out obviously money um, is going to be a a major sticking point in some of the negotiations for this but I mean man they just had so much time to try to figure some of this stuff out and to be at the point that they are now when you know training camps basically supposed to open like it just seems crazy to me that they aren't further along at this point.
3: Yeah, and, like, part of me wants to kind of give the NFL the benefit of the doubt. Like, things change so rapidly, and this virus has gone up and down, and there's some places, like I'm in New York, where cases are pretty low and deaths are pretty much at zero, and then there's places that are having spikes, and so it's a lot to keep track of. It's a lot to, you know, look to see what our administration is going to do or implement, or it's it's a day-by-day, week-by-week thing, but I just think that there are certain – pieces that could have been put in place like testing like figuring out what a contract is going to look like you have to sit out developing some kind of ir for players like that's just we knew we were going to have to have those uh, besides the fact that yeah maybe things change very rapidly um and next week could could bring something new and different but there's just a baseline that they haven't even the foundation just isn't even there
1: yeah, that, I think I think you said it perfectly there. You would like to see some of these basic uh, things done, the foundation set, so that some of these more complex issues maybe could have been hashed out while maybe, you know, teams are returning to camp. But, um, you know, hopefully Andrew Brandt's, you know, deadlines for action will once again come to fruition and, and they'll get things done at the, you know, 11th hour, whatever the case may be. But um, we'd love to see them get things worked out. I mean, I, again, I think everyone wants to see a safe return to football if at all possible. And, um, again, it seems like they have work to do to get to that. Point. All right, let's talk about something more fun. How does that sound?
3: Sounds great. (laughs) All
1: right, so uh, last week I wrote uh, an article for Packer Reports that broke down uh, some of the matchups that I'm really hoping that we get to see uh, this 2020 season. I'll run through them quickly, and then I just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit, Perry, as to which ones are maybe some of the, the ones that you're really looking forward to seeing, or maybe you have a couple other ones. But I'll run through these quick. So number one is Darnell Savage versus Dalvin Cook. Um, I just kind of, you know, harken back to uh, week two last season when Dalvin Cook had the big touchdown run. I was able to kind of beat Darnell Savage in the open field. I was really one of the lone uh, negative plays in that game against Minnesota. It was a pretty good game for Green Bay, Uh, but uh, that was one that kind of stood out to me and just want to see if he's able to maybe erase some of those angles against one of the better running backs in football a little bit easier in year two. Devontae Adams versus Jeffrey Okuda, Um, just again, the the top three pick in the draft, you know, this top corner coming out of Ohio State, well, welcome to the NFL, Rook, you get to go against Devontae Adams in week two, Uh, we'll see how you know, you're able to hold up against that one-on-one matchup. Ryan Ramchak versus Zedarius Smith, I just cannot wait for that, we know Zedarius kind of moves all over the place, but uh, hopefully we get to see a handful of snaps against those two, uh, just all pro-level players going one-on-one. Uh, Corey Lindsley versus Grady Jarrett. Just two players who I think are really, really good football players but don't always get the credit that they deserve. I think that should just be one of those grinded out battles that again I I think could actually go a long way in uh, you know, determining who wins the line of scrimmage in that game. So that's another one I'm looking forward to. Of course, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. I think that's going to be uh, hyped uh, hyped up about as much as possible, and they'll never be on the field at the same time, but you know both of those guys are going to raise their level of play because it's probably the rubber match in their series, probably the last time that we may see Rodgers versus Brady, and uh, they each have one win so far against each other, so uh, this could decide who ultimately wins that series. Um Jair Alexander and Kevin King versus Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Just, you know, one of the best receiving duos in football against uh, what has the ability to be, in my opinion, one of the best cornerback duos in football. I think both Alexander and King can still take a step in their development, and I think that should be a really fun matchup. Uh, David Bakhtiari versus J.J. Watt. Again, like Sidaria Smith versus Ramchak, we're probably not going to see that matchup over and over and over, but I'm hoping that at least a handful of snaps we get to see Watt go against Bakhtiari. Mike Patton versus Kyle Shanahan. We mm-hmm. know that Kyle Shanahan uh, got the the very the, very much the best of that matchup twice last season. I'm really excited to see if Mike Patton has a counter this year. Uh, Kenny Clark versus Quentin Nelson. This is one A on my list. Just two 24-year-olds at the prime of their career. Uh, just power, speed, athleticism, physicality, uh, both playing through the whistle. That is just a, a heavyweight matchup that I can't wait to watch. And then Elton Jenkins versus Fletcher Cox. I also could have said uh, Elton Jenkins versus Jeffrey Simmons, maybe two players in their second year, um, or maybe even uh, you know DeForest Buckner versus Elton Jenkins. There's a few good ones there, but uh, I put Cox versus Jenkins. I just think those two, again, uh, power on power athleticism versus athleticism and another one that should determine the trenches. So those were the 10 that I broke down and labeled. Uh, any of those matchups that maybe you're looking forward to or maybe another one that uh, isn't on that list at all,
3: yeah, you've got a lot of trenches on here. Um, I do. <laughs> I, I like them. I mean, they're all great. Um, they're all great players going up against each other. Um, I love the Jair and King versus Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I think I totally agree. That's going to be super interesting to see. Um, not to mention I agree with you that I think they're a fantastic tandem that I hope stays together. Um, obviously, Brady, Rogers is just – like, one of the matchups that, like you said, I think is never going to – this might be the last time. Um, if not, I, I think it actually probably will be the last time that this ever happens. So, obviously, it's going to be hype and amazing, and they're, you know, two first ballot Hall of Famers. Love the Pettin versus Shanahan pick. Um, I completely agree. I, I, you also could easily put LaFleur versus Sella on here, um, yeah. uh, you know, on the opposite opposite side. But I think that game is going to be, rightfully so, one that people – Really, really have their eye on as who's gonna who's gonna come out victorious is probably gonna be the the favorite in the in the NFC. So, um, yeah, and of course, you know, as a Packer fan, you want that rematch to go our way. Um, a few that I, I was thinking about that I'm also really excited for. I really can't wait to watch Jair go up against Michael Thomas. Um, yeah. I think this season for Jair is the year. Uh, it's it's the year that either he is what he is or he's that breakout star. Um, I personally believe it's the latter. Um, I think he has a lot more growth. I think he knows what he needs to do to be that star. He's got all the tools. I've been watching watching a lot of him back, and he's going to have way more interceptions than two this season, I'll tell you that. So um, that's one I'm excited for. And same with uh, Rodgers and Breeze. I think that's another one that might be the last time mm-hmm. um, because of Breeze's age and, um, you know, just two – incredible football players. Obviously, same with Brady. They're not going to be in the field at the same time, but just going to be really, really, really good football against each other. Um, I always love when the Packers play the Falcons. I think it's a matchup that always ends up being a really good game. Um, you know, their defense was not the best last season, but they made some improvements. So I'm, I'm actually excited for that game as well, especially Monday night.
1: Yeah, all, all great options there. I, I think, you know, there's just so many individual matchups that should be really fun this season. I had Jair versus Michael Thomas on my list originally and then I went instead with King and Jair versus Evans and Godwin. Again, either one of those are going to be fun. There's so many individual ones that I could have put for Jair Devonte Devontae Adams that will be uh, really interesting and fun to watch as well. Uh, but I, yeah, this is just another reason why I'm really hoping that they can get a season figured out because some of these individual matchups, and I, I just go back to I, I, can't, I can't even tell you how excited I would be for Kenny Clark versus Quentin Nelson like I wouldn't even need to see the rest of the game like just let me yeah. watch Kenny Clark versus Nelson uh, in the trenches and I will be a very happy person so uh that that's definitely one a on my list but um all of these should be really fun to watch and I think some of the younger players whether it's a Darnell Savage um, or some others that I think we'll get to and maybe some of our questions in just a second spoiler alert but mm-hmm. uh I just some of how, how some of these Packers develop in their second season either with Matt LaFleur or in their career and uh you know how they're able to progress against some of these marquee matchups as the season progresses.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. There's a, there's a few people um, that I think definitely have room to make leaps. Um, you touched on Darnell Savage. I think that he, him and Amos in year two are going to be a really, really strong backfield. But there's also some guys that, you know, might might take some leaps. Like I, you know, want to see Chan and Sullivan on the field a little bit more. I want to see what Raven Crean can do coming off IR. I think there's some – more chess pieces, especially on that defense, that Patton can use. That you know, in that this next season will, I don't know, I want to say upgrade our defense because I thought our defense was pretty great last season, besides the run game. But um, yeah, there's just there's some guys I have my eyes out. So I am really really hoping that camp starts on time because I always love those sort of camp battles of the the fringe guys on the 90 man roster and see who's who's really like standing out and uh, names that you you don't think about before camp and and then you're like oh. Definitely gonna watch him, so um, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I mean, me too. Honestly, that's one of my. I I I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna have the opportunity to cover training camp in any capacity. I mean, obviously, I I, you know had a credential last season during the season. It sounds like they're gonna limit it pretty heavily. Um, My guess is I am not gonna be one of those people that gets credentialed for camp, Um, but. That either way that like that's just one of my you know my biggest disappointments of this entire process is that's that's one of my favorite parts of every single season like I, I'm okay if you know if I don't get the Lambo, I can still watch games at home like I'll be fine but like not having that training camp experience and you know getting to see some of these players for the first time um, you know see them in practice like and, and being able to cover it because that's been one of the you know main things that I've done especially via Twitter the last you know two or three years is you know really trying to cover as much of practice as I can to bring it to people because you know there's you know there's just not a lot of people that are, are you know tweeting it as uh, I guess as much as I was when I was able to get there. so um, that that is definitely one of the 1a things that I'm really disappointed about uh, that e- even if I do get there for a couple, um, which again I'm not expecting, um, it's still gonna be totally different and uh, and one it sounds like I won't be able to tweet from practice anyway so it's just like it's such a such a bummer that that's gonna be totally different this season.
3: Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, there's tons of players, obviously, but, like, to have the whole Jordan Love, you know, situation and this, this, I mean, that's what people are going to have their eyes on. And, you know, that was the only reason I was looking forward to preseason, which probably isn't going to happen, understandably, was to, you know, just, like, there's been just so much talk around Jordan Love, and, you know, we're finally going to get to see it on the field, and uh, there's just, like, a lot of anticipation, I think, towards that, and so, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope you get there, Andy. I'll live like <laughs> through you if you do. <laughs>
1: yeah, same. I'm hoping so, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm not expecting it, but um, maybe I can get there for, for one or something and at least be able to cover something, but either way, it's going to be totally different. Uh, let's jump into our fun, really fun aspect of this podcast. So uh, what Perry and I did is we each prepared three questions for each other. We do not know uh, what these questions are going to be, uh, so we're totally going into this blind and we're going to try to answer it off the cuff as best as we can. Um, again, no preparation, uh, no safety net. So, uh, Perry, I'll let you choose. Do you want to be the first questioner, or do you want me to ask the question first and have you answer first?
3: Hmm. I want to be the first questioner.
1: All right, go for it. I'll let you start.
3: Okay. If you were general manager of the Packers for a day, you're goot. What is you got to make one decision, like one decision that you think would improve or change the team, what would it be? Wow,
1: that's a really that's a strong first question. Um, you know, I my cop-out answer, I'm going to try to think of something a little bit more creative. Off the top of my head, my one A thing is I'm going to try everything in my power to get a Kenny Clark contract extension done. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's probably going to take more than the general manager. That's going to take a ton of Russ Ball and and not uh Brian Gutekunst. Um, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, see I'm going to pretend that this is a normal season and this isn't like a a COVID fest of like, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, So I'm probably going to be pretty aggressive in trying to make a trade to bring somebody in probably on the defensive line, uh, to really shore up the run defense, either at defensive line or inside linebacker, potentially trading a future draft choice. Um, even if this is the you know, the, the situation that we think it is, like I think depth is going to play a really major part in this season with potential increase in injuries due to law, loss of mini camp and OTAs in training camp due to potential positive COVID tests. I think depth is going to play a major issue or uh, just a major factor in this upcoming season. I also think that um, no matter what, you know, I think college football is going to be changed this year. Even if it gets postponed until spring, I think you're going to have some of the top players just sit out. And I think next year's draft is going to be really wonky. And I think it's going to be really tough to get a gauge. Who knows if there's actually even going to be an NFL combine. There's not going to be probably a senior bowl. Like, who knows what this is going to look like? So me having access to, like, a second-round pick next year, probably, you know, in, in a normal situation, that's, that's a, you know, a really big piece of, or a chip that you have. But I think, like, next year, I, I don't know how valuable that is because I feel like everything's going to be just a degree of difference and kind of a crapshoot. So if I feel like I'd have the opportunity to really increase my chances this year, go out and maybe get a top-tier defensive lineman or, like, an inside linebacker uh, to pair with, Chris, you know, Christian Kirkstein and really shore up. Um, that run defense. Uh, I would probably make a run and, and try to do something like that in my my one day as GM.
3: Interesting. Yeah. See, you're, so you're thinking ahead. That's very general manager of you. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta
1: think ahead if you're in good shoes. All right. Yeah. Let me. I'll go with my first one overall. Uh, will there be a surprise cut or trade before the start of the season, and if so, who will it be?
3: Ooh. Um. I guess it depends on what you mean by surprise. Um, I definitely think there are a few guys on the roster that that really may lose their spot, and it I guess it wouldn't be that surprising like Josh Jackson or montravius Adams. Um, I think that if there is a trade, oh my God, Maggie is going to hate me for saying uh-oh, this. But I really think that if there is going to be a trade, um, it might be for Jamal Williams. Yeah. Um, I just think he's like a really good candidate, right? Like he could be a running back one somewhere. He's a great compliment we've seen to to a running back like Aaron Jones, who's a little bit shiftier. Um, and. He's a great teammate, right? Like he's just someone you'd want to be on your football team. I think the Packers could get a good comp for him. Um, so if I was going to choose, I just feel like he he really just makes the most sense. But I hope I'm wrong because you know, Lefleur has said he wants back by committee. He wanted three, so he has three. So I yeah, hope I'm wrong. Yeah,
1: I I think that that's the the logical answer. Um, I think this thing could go one of two ways. So. I think general managers could take a look at this kind of how I was just looking at it a second ago and say, you know what? We really need depth for this season. And in a normal situation or circumstance, you could say, you know what? Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Tyler Irvin is a really good one through three. Maybe we can get Dexter Williams back on the practice squad, or maybe we really like Patrick Taylor um, as an undrafted player. You know, whatever the case may be, like we feel very comfortable with that stable of running backs. But in the, like, just the current landscape, I feel like, you know, yeah, it's good to have those, but you might even need one more of those players. And I also think if you look at a potential lack of training camp, like, Aaron Jones doesn't get the credit for being as good of a pass protector as he is, but he's still not as good as Jamal Williams or really, you know, Jamal is just fantastic as a pass protecting back. And then, you know, AJ Dillon, I think, can absolutely do that long term. He's got the size, the skills, the athleticism, but um, what I watched on tape of AJ Dillon is it was just more the, assignment stuff there'd be times where he was just you know looking to block the wrong person and i think that's going to take him a little bit of time to master so if you really want that that blocking back I, i think williams you know might end up sticking around and i think if you really want that depth williams might end up sticking around but the other way that they could go the other way that general managers could look at it is they could say you know listen next year there could be a, you know, forty million dollar cap, you know, fall, a fall off. And we might have to start preparing for that this season yeah. by potentially releasing or trading some players now to try to get ahead of that. So especially if you've got a you know guys like David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark and Kevin King and Aaron Jones and those type of players that you need to try to resign next year you know I look at guys like a Jamal Williams or maybe even as much as I hate to say this because I love the guy a Corey Lindsley Mm -hmm. like those are the two of the few guys that you could actually get out of their contract and start saving some money this year so that it carries over to next year and potentially you can sign some of those guys because otherwise if it potentially if the cap does fall off that way and you don't have the ability to get out of some of those contracts you could look at having to choose between maybe a David Bakhtiari and a Kenny Clark which is what nobody wants to do so I think it could go one of two ways if they're looking to play for this season and they really want that depth I think you've got to keep those guys around but if you're starting to look ahead and what the potential you know salary cap shortage could be they might have to make some really difficult choices and maybe go with a Tyler Irvin and a Lucas Patrick rather than a Jamal Williams and a Corey Lindsley so um, I think all those are really difficult decisions I'm glad I'm not GM for that day (laughs) but those are all things that they're going to have to consider going forward.
3: No, definitely, and it's funny that you mentioned Corey Lindsley because he was the other one that I was thinking, and it's just because our impending free agent class is tough, like tough, and I think there's no situation where anyone's going to be totally happy, like I think, I mean, I'm not inside the building, but I would imagine, you know, all those guys are our key players that the Packers have relied on in the last few seasons that they've been with the team. And so to have to cut or potentially trade or just let them go um, in free agency, like if you can get something back for one of those players and save some money, like you said, you're starting to think ahead. and Maybe you can get a comp for them or, or another player, um, you know, that feels like a little bit of a smarter decision than getting to the end of the season and being like, okay, who are we letting go? And who do we have to pay?
1: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. All right, I'll let you go to your second question.
3: Okay. Um, Okay, I have a bunch, so let me – one of them was why haven't they paid Kenny Clark yet, but we don't have to answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so it's a kind of a twofer. Um, So who do you think is going to lead the NFL in sacks next season, and which Packer do you think will have the most sacks on the team?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go easy. I'm going to go Homer on this. I'm going to Darius Smith on both. On both? Wow. I think he's going to lead the league in sacks. Here's the thing with Darius – is one, we saw, to me, we saw the real Zadarius Smith a season ago. That was not a fluke. That was not, um, you know, something that he's not going to be able to carry into the next season. Because he, he, he didn't do it because he was faster than everyone. He didn't do it just because he was, you know, just rag dolling people around. He did it with technique. He did it with skill. He did it with athleticism. He was an all around pass rushing machine a season ago. And here's what sets Darius Smith apart from almost everyone else is that you can line him up every Everywhere, and he can be massively successful. So what that allows Mike Petton to do is consistently target the weakest link on the opposing team's offensive line and just let Zedarius Smith go to work. I mean, imagine if, you know, Reggie White could line up as an outside <laughs> linebacker. Or as a, you know, he did a little bit as an interior defender, but for the most part he was lining up at the same defensive end spot. And you look back at some of those games against the Cowboys where he couldn't win against an Eric Williams or, you know, things like that. Like, imagine that Z'Darrius Smith, and he has a kryptonite where he just can't beat a certain player all right, no worries, move him inside, move him outside, move him over center as a blitzing inside linebacker. Like, it does not matter. And then you can have him spy. You can, like, you can have him do so many different things. And it's just he's so much of a weapon in that regard that as long as he stays healthy, I think he is going to be in the conversation for the duration of his contract in Green Bay as one of the best uh, pass rushers in football and in the conversation for leading the league in sacks.
3: Yeah, and I think the best part about him is that, like you said, he gets moved around and even when he's not getting home, he he collapses that pocket to the point where Preston can get home or hopefully Rashawn Gary can get home yep. or Kenny gets home. And it's like he's so disruptive even when he's not getting sacks that you're right. I mean, he I, I don't know. You think he's going to have another 13-plus sack season? You think he's yeah, I think he will.
1: Yeah, I think you will. And I think the big thing here, too, is like what you mentioned of how he's getting pressures and it's helping Clark and Preston and those guys. It goes both ways, too. So, like, you know, teams can't just hone in on Zadaria Smith and say, well, we're just going to try to stop him because, you know, Kenny and Preston are going to do work as well. So the fact that they have a well-rounded defensive line, I think Rashawn Gary can improve as a pass rusher this year as well. So I just think, and then, and then, oh, by the way, like Mike Petton is a really good, uh, you know, blitz defensive coordinator and can scheme mm-hmm. up things as well. So, I just think they have a variety of ways of getting pressure, and I think that's really going to help uh, Zedarius out. And then the last thing I'll say in regards to it as well is this is not one of those – you know, players that like is, you know, maybe like a D Ford who's just like super undersized and is winning with speed, but eventually it's going to wear down on his body. Like you look at Zadarius Smith, that's like the last guy that you want to get in a fight with. Like he is just a massive human being and uh, he is not going to break down uh, very easily. <laughs> so I think he, you know, it's not to say that anyone can't have an injury. Of course, anyone could have a an ACL tear at any given time, but um, he, his body's going to hold up against the rigors of a full NFL season. And I think they're going to try to rest him a little bit bit more as well and keep him fresh for later in the season so I just think all the way around it comes up aces for Zedarius being a a high pressure player uh, once again in the NFL
3: could not agree more with you (laughs) all
1: right let's jump to my second question um, and I'll go here. you. So which Brian Gutekunst draft choice is going to have the biggest breakout season? So he's got three drafts under his belt, um, three different draft classes, and, of course, a whole group of ones that we haven't even seen play in the NFL yet. But which of those players is going to make the biggest impact and have the biggest breakout season um, from any of his three classes?
3: Oh, All right. Well, my first instinct is, uh, is Jair, but I feel like that's a cop-out because – That's pretty obvious. And he already, I feel like, has sort of broken out a little bit. Um, Oh, boy. Okay, I have an optimistic one. um, And then I have a – I guess another obvious one would be Jay Sternberger, but I will skip over him too. Okay, my optimistic one is Kingsley Kiki. Um, I think in limited snaps that we saw, he did really great work. Um, I say it optimistically because – I hope that with more snaps, he can just really give Kenny Clark sort of just help him out, right? Like, Kenny yep. eats up double teams like crazy. He's on the field, I think it was like 97% of the time. Like, that is just way too much for him. So I really think that from the what I saw a little bit from Kingsley Kiki, I think if he even just is on the field a little bit more and has a little bit of a jump, doesn't have to be crazy, um, just kind of eat up some of those double teams or or take off some of the pressure from Kenny Clark, I think that'd be immensely, immensely impactful. Um, I think my second one is from this draft class, and I think the only player, I wouldn't say the only player, but the, the player that I think is going to make the most immediate impact is going to be A.J. Dillon. And I'm really, really, really excited to see what LaFleur does with him. I think, you know, he is going to be able to kind of start in that rotation right away. Um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I just, I love that, a tandem of him and and Aaron Jones on the field together um you know of course he'll have to get better and and like you said earlier like pass blocking and and things of that nature but he'll learn and I just imagine December snowy Lambeau and just like nobody being able to take down humongous AJ Dillon um you know and I think that's just an asset that that we really need and so I think from a rookie standpoint I think he will have the most immediate impact
1: Yeah, I like those answers a lot. I'm fully on the Kingsley-Kiki train, and I think A.J. Dillon absolutely has the opportunity uh, to make that big impact, especially like you mentioned, as the season progresses. And even later in games, you know, uh, I I think hopefully, you know, we saw last year Green Bay was leading um, quite a bit, you know, later in games, and sometimes they struggle to put teams away and continue to move the chains, and I'm hoping A.J. Dillon can kind of help in that regards as well. Um, I know you kind of mentioned that this is kind of a cop-out answer, but uh, Jay Sternberger for me is 100%. Just, I, I'm fully on the Jay Sternberger train. I think he has everything that they need. And, you know, we didn't get to see a ton of Jay Sternberger a season ago. And even mm-hmm. still in limited snaps, like I saw him be aggressive as a blocker, I saw him be able to be used as an H-back and a fullback. I saw him get open multiple times down the field, and Rodgers unfortunately just didn't see him. I saw him catch a touchdown, you know, on, on kind of a scrambled play in an NFC championship game. Like yeah. in very limited Jay Sternberger time, I saw a lot of things that I needed to see to know that I, I think that, you know, he has the opportunity to make a major impact in this league. And I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, this, you know, shoe in as a, a you know massive weapon at tight end. But I think he's going to be a really good all-around tight end, a really good all-around football player, and is really going to be able to help out the offense.
3: Yeah. I think his ceiling, though, is pro bowl. Yeah caliber. I mean, I I think he's got all the tools to do it. He seems to have the drive um, and the work ethic as well. Um, He he did a ton of sort of interviews earlier during COVID. And I, I, you know, I follow him on social media and see him working out all the time um, on different things, right? And he just seems really hungry and, and ready to go. And I agree that that's kind of scramble touchdown in pretty much garbage time in the NFC Championship game, right? Like we yep. were losing. It was, it was. But the fact that he still was out there giving it his all, you know, following Rodgers, that sort of connection that that's so important to Rodgers too. <laughs> if they can develop that that level, I think yeah, he can be he can be really dynamic. And I mean, we certainly need a dynamic tight end. We haven't had one since Jermichael Finley, and we saw how much he changed the game. So um, I, I, I agree with Jace. I'm excited about him.
1: 100%. All right, question three, final question. I'm ready.
3: Okay. Well, I had this, and it's kind of a piggyback off of some things we've talked about. So um, I think it, I think it's worked. So scenario here is the Packers can acquire one player, either be a trade or free, a free agent right now. It doesn't matter. Who is the guy out there that you think if the Packers acquired – this person, they can be, you know, that, that puts them over into that Super Bowl territory team. That's
1: a really good question. I'd have to think on who are some potential, like, trade candidates as kind of the season goes along. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm going to lean towards defensive line here, and I think that they could absolutely use, uh, you know, get an influx of talent at inside line, either inside linebacker or defensive line. I'm trying to think of, you know, maybe a team that would be willing to trade a player. I'll go – I'm going to go Seahawks. I'm going to say, like, a K.J. Wright for the Seahawks. I think he could actually be somebody – they just drafted Jordan Brooks um, in the draft. They still have Shaquem Griffin. Um, Of course, they still have Bobby Wagner. Like, I feel like K.J. Wright – I'd have to look at the – I'm going to look at the contract right now as we speak, actually, because the the contract could maybe make it, like, super Um, (laughs) non-palatable. He had three
3: interceptions last season.
1: He did. He, and so he's got a cap hit. He'd have a 6.5 cap hit for this season in the last year of his deal. So that's not like terrible. So like, let's say the, the Seahawks were um, you know, maybe he's struggling as the season started. Maybe they go three and four to start the season and are willing to, you know, maybe trade him off on the last year of his deal. Like, that could be somebody as the season goes along that, um, you know, you take a pro rated portion of that contract now. Maybe you pay him three and a half million. Maybe you're giving like a day three pick to pick him up. Like, that's just like, I know people want to hear like a, like a major, like all pro, you know, sexy name that is like going to change the entire dynamic of the team. But like, that's one of those, you know, trades that like, going back like Ron Wolf would have made to just kind of solidify maybe like a weaker part of your team who has playoff and Super Bowl experience, who knows how to win in big games, you know, can be a run stopper, can be a cover guy. Um, you know, on the spot, I'm going to go with KJ Wright. I'm sure there's probably better answers, but um, I think he could be somebody that, you know, towards the, the middle of the season as, like, a trade deadline guy could make a lot of sense. As as far as, like, a, a free agent that's left out there, you know, this is probably a cop-out, too, but, like, give me a Tremont Williams. Like, I'm 100% yes. on board. I, I love Tremont. I just think he, this is how this is how dumb the NFL sometimes is, in my opinion. Like, not I don't even care that Tremont Williams is a good football player last year. Tremont is, like, 1A1 one of the best locker room players that you can possibly have for younger players on the team for like being like, you know who could use a Tremont Williams right now? The Washington freaking football team. Like <laughs> yeah. that is the type of player that Washington needs to like infuse their locker room with because he's just a consummate professional. Like if, if Tremont Williams doesn't play a down in Washington, like he could be an amazing signing for them, and he's still good at football. Oh by the way, so um you know bring me back Tremont Williams. Uh, I think the longer he's out there as a free agent, the better that is for the Packers because um they you know they don't have to sign him now, and if all of a sudden someone someone to get hurt in the defensive backfield, um, you can put him back. You know, you can easily pick him up while he's out there. So I think it's a great for the Packers that he remains out there. But um, he would be a free agent. I'd still love to see the Packers go out and get.
3: Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I completely agree. I think KJ Wright is, first of all, very interesting choice. Makes total sense. And you're right; it doesn't have to be this like. Flashy, flashy player. Like it can just be someone really, really solid that you know is going to always get the job done. As far as Tremont Williams, I mean, I'm wait, I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> I, I, I think that he is. He still plays at the caliber that he played ten years ago, and it's just so rare to find a guy like that. He's just, he's the ageless wonder. I think Petten calls him that. He's just, he's 37 years old and still plays like he's in his 20s, and he is exactly like you said, like almost like this kind of hybrid coach player that all these players look up to. And, and you can see it anytime they're asked, especially like Darnell Savage or Jair, any of them are asked about what he's meant to them as a, as a group of defensive backs. It's, it's immense. And I know you don't bring a player back for, you know, locker room fit and to, to be a leader, but oh boy, if you, if you had to, it would be him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, he still has a lot to offer and, um, you know, would love to see him back on a team. You know, this could be one of those things where, you know, sometimes I don't know that this would be the case for Tremont, but maybe with the, the state of things right now, maybe this would be the case. But, you know, you look at like a uh, Tremont Williams, some of these veterans, it could be one of those things where they're just like, you know what, I, I don't need to be there when like 85 guys are in training camp at the same time. Like, call me towards the end of uh, preseason and uh, I'll be ready for week one when you guys are, are ready to get playing uh, so <laughs> yeah. I can avoid this until thing and especially with you know the where you know, like he doesn't need a training camp so you know maybe some team will sign him before week one and I think that could happen with a lot of the veterans that are still out there whether it be a Mike Daniels, a Snacks, Harrison, a Logan Ryan um, you know I think some of those guys could just be saying you know what uh, you know I didn't get signed to a big money deal so I'm willing to wait now and I'll be available week one when you need me and hopefully that'll happen for Tramon.
3: Yep I hope so I think anyone who gets it is very lucky.
1: All right, last question for you, um, and that is, will this be Mike Patton's last season as defensive coordinator for the Packers?
3: Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I think what he's done since he came in, I mean, think about where we were with Capers. Like, just just try to bring yourself back to that horrible place and – what he's done in in the two seasons that he's been with the Packers is tremendous and I know a lot of that is personnel, right? Like Goop brought in two incredible pass rushers and Amos. But I really, I really think like recency bias is such a thing. And so of course when you end the season at the NFC championship championship game like we did it's hard to feel excited about Pettin, but I really like to bring myself back to all the good stuff that he has done for this defense and how much the players also love to play for him. Um, And I think bringing in um, Christian Kirksey, someone who he's really familiar with, um, is going to be a good thing. And I just, as long as Pettin fixes some of the mistakes that he's made, maybe our run game gets a little bit better. Um, You know, we don't, you know, let all those kind of, some of those explosive plays go, I think, I what I would love to see the most from him, which I think will be his really like not I don't want to say make or break, but something important that that I would like to see from him is is not letting us keep the other team in the game when we're ahead. I think if we can, and and people talk about ugly wins, ugly wins, but I think that's the key to it, right? Is like, yeah, we were we blew the socks off the the Seahawks in the first half. But we let them hang around, and that's the thing that I want him to stop playing. You know, soft coverage when we're ahead, and just like shut out a shut out a team. Don't let them score. Don't eat. You know, go after every down like we are losing. And I think I've been watching a lot of you know a lot of 2010, 2011 tape. Um, of of those seasons and and that to me is the key difference between our defense now and our defense then is that they didn't let anything go we had fourth quarter intercept like you know what i mean so yep. i think for him to stick around like i'd like to see just a little more of that um you know call it tough you know till the end don't don't let anything go soft um in the fourth quarter like let's let's shut out some teams let's let's beat them let's blow their tops off you know um so i think if he's able to do that he'll he'll stick around
1: go cool. full out stone cold mike patton like yeah. right, that's what we need you know i i think that's 100% the right answer the, the two questions that i or that i guess i want answered or i guess the two reasons that, that this question is intriguing to me is i think one that, that San Francisco matchup, the one I talked about earlier, the Mike Patton-Kyle Shanahan, like, he he got outclassed twice mm-hmm. against Kyle Shanahan a season ago, and I, I really want to see if he's able to make some of those improvements. Um, And, you know, personnel certainly plays uh, a piece of that, but this is not a defense that is lacking for talent. You know, they have a ton of talent in the defensive secondary. Um, they have, you know, the, the maybe the best pass rushers since, you know, the 96 Packers when they won the Super Bowl. Like, the, the, this is a team that is, is shock full of talent. I think they have an inside linebacker in Christian Kirksey that fits his system, that's played within his system. They've got some young players that still have the ability to be developed. Like the talent to me is there for this defense to be really successful. I want to see how he answers the call against, especially the 49ers after those two big losses a season ago, where really Patton had no answer to the point where in the NFC championship game, I don't think Kyle Shanahan needed to call a pass the entire game. And I think they would have won that game. And then, um, you know, the second thing is, of course, Mike Pettin was kind of Matt LaFleur's guy. He was open to him coming back, but it wasn't totally Matt LaFleur's guy. He was kind mm-hmm. of, you know, talked about, you know, well, would we be able to keep Mike if you came on and things like that. And, I, you know, maybe there's an extent if he said, no, I don't want Mike as my defensive coordinator, I think, you know, the Packers maybe would have went with Matt anyway. But it seemed like that was kind of a, a predetermined marriage a little bit. And mm-hmm. it does seem to me that as this offseason has gone along, uh, you know they're looking to really build this team more in the mold of Matt Lafleur and what he wants to do, which is the right thing. If you go out and you find this young, smart head coach and you want to build your franchise around him, well, then let him do what he wants to do. Don't go half-assed on it and you know kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Like let him run his offense and let's see what he can do. Um, but I wonder if he's eventually going to want his guy in his yeah. vision at the defensive coordinator position. So I think in normal circumstances, you know I think Petton's done enough to to still be in the conversation, but. I I think some of those matchups, how he does against the run this season, how he does against the forty ers and then that just kind of overhanging question of, all right, is this is this actually Matt LaFleur's guy and is he gonna want to make a change, you know, maybe sooner rather than later if all of a sudden he determines that it's not his guy.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. That that marriage between the two of them, it's gotta be good. Um yeah. and if it's not, you're right. I mean, they're always gonna go with Matt. They brought him in as like the vision. So yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. I hope I hope Petton sticks around. I like him. I think he fits well with the team.
1: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, obviously, the ideal would be that they tear it up and they go in a Super Bowl. And this is a dumb conversation <laughs> if we, <laughs> and that he's obviously back because the defense was tremendous this season. That'd be absolutely amazing. All right, Perry, this was absolutely phenomenal. I love being able to pick your brain and kind of go through some of these questions. Um, any final thoughts on anything that you want to share before we get out of here today?
3: You know, I just, I'm just so excited for football. I think quarantine was tough. Um, with no sports I mean obviously we know why it makes sense but I just think to have football to watch even with this no you know no fans in the stands or anything just like to have that beacon of, of hope that things are a little bit normal and everyone can sit down on their couch and kind of come together as a country to watch a football game is something that we really need so I'm really just trying to put good vibes out into the universe that the NFL figures it out because uh, you know we really we really need this
1: yeah well said I couldn't put it any better than that so I think leaving on those good vibes especially with how we had to start the episode is a good way to end the episode uh, Perry tell us where we can find your work where we can find your other podcasts, and where we can find you on Twitter
3: sure so I do podcasts about every three weeks with pack a day where I'm on the Sunday crew normally with Mike and Tyler um, of course, Pax What She Said is my podcast weekly with Maggie Loney, the amazing Maggie Loney. Um, please follow us. We're on all streaming services. You can follow us at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. And I do have um, kind of an exciting thing starting tomorrow, which is, I guess, when this podcast is going to come out, um, with a ton of People on Twitter that you probably follow, a bunch of the Pack-A-Day crew members, um, are starting a site called Game On Wisconsin. Um, it's going to start off by, you know, just following the Packers. Um, and Maggie and I are going to be doing a live show for them every Monday night. Um, so you can tune in to us. Um, it'll be kind of like our podcast, but live, and you'll be able to see us um, and answer, we'll you can answer, send in questions. I mean, it will answer them. Um, and I think hopefully it'll be it'll be really fun. Um, you'll get a little bit more of our personality, I think, than just on the podcast. So um, I hope everyone can can join in and we'll enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for that. I think you guys will do a tremendous live show. So I'm looking forward to joining that. And uh, seeing what you guys have to say. Um, also, a lot of great people I know from this podcast are going to be part of that project as well. So uh, make sure to check it out. Uh, make sure to follow Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore, underscore Goldstein. Uh, make sure to check out the Packs What She Said podcast. Perry, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. I'm so happy to have you uh, on the podcast. Um, we got to get you on more than once every four weeks, so we'll figure that uh, figure that out <laughs> as uh, time goes on. But appreciate everything that you do. Uh, for those listening, make sure to go out and follow us on Twitter at package. A podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Um, you can always again find my writing at Packer Report. Um, but until next time, and as always, go pack, go.